Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 17th, 2014. I've always said that crisis is great for change, uh, for plan change especially, of course, and that's why we have so many crises on the go at the same time. At least we're told a crisis, and during these crises, uh, people are distracted by uh, all the wars, the rumors of wars, and all the things which are always here, and um, they don't notice what's happening in their own country sometimes. Uh, they tend to dismiss their own findings or observations because the media doesn't mention what they've observed. That comes from the chem sprays of the sky. It comes from uh, the prices of food going up, for instance, constantly, constantly. No one asks why, because the media doesn't mention it. And in other words, they don't only really think about something in a crisis mode unless if the media tells them to think about it. And sure enough, that's what they prattle about the next day, as Brzezinski said in the 1970s would happen. The people have been trained to allow the media to do their thinking and their reasoning for them. Therefore, when they actually see something for themselves or notice things happening, they tend to dismiss it if no one else is making a big deal about it at all. Back in the, I think, 30s and then the 40s and then the 50s, Lord Bertrand Russell wrote about this and he said that we are training the public to listen to experts only. He also meant authority figures, media figures, and we certainly have been well trained on that. We don't trust ourselves anymore, in fact, in so many different areas. You think about, for instance, how long we've been on the planet. We're given a whole bunch of stories on how long we've been here, how long man has been here. And and all conflict, of course, even though they teach these in in basically universities and evolution, is absolute fact, even when they keep changing their stories. Uh, It's quite amazing they still call it a science, isn't it? And they have doctorates in this and so on. But it's quite a joke in a a way. But that's what we run in. We live in amongst a a bunch of jokes uh, taught as reality. And as science took over from religion, we get a lot of more jokes because even when they have all these massive theories taught as fact, and often taught for many years, and students go through university and do their thesis on them and so on, uh, and they get through, they don't take them away from them after they find out that all they wrote was nonsense because they're based on false theories, etc. Uh, it really is a bit of a joke, isn't it? Uh, it's have a different name for, for these things rather than sciences. Um, a good guess is, perhaps, that the Good Guess Club would be one of them. Or you get a doctorate, perhaps, in Good Guesses. And in-house guesses, in vogue guesses, perhaps. I'm sure you could do a little contest on that with a whole bunch of different people sending really good ideas and if you send them off to the universities uh, to see what ones gets picked. And maybe someone gets a little prize at the top for coming up with a good one. But the fact is we've been here for an awful, awful long time. And if you look at so-called primitive man, whoever he was, It'd be more of a natural man living in small communities, even before that in the cave, supposedly, in some areas. And I don't think you'd pull a flanker on him, a flanker, a con, on a caveman. If a bureaucrat came around and started to gesticulate and measure his cave, then demand something from the caveman, the caveman, I think, would reply with his big club there and go, ugh, and that was the end of that. So it was all dealt with rather simply and naturally, because after all, stealing from you is stealing, isn't it? It's not the language that comes into use, and you have a leisure class who invent a lot more uh, words and fancy words and terminologies to bamboozle you, 
and to, be, to belittle you actually, um, that they can actually convince you that you owe something to them for nothing that they've done for you. Uh, it's quite an interesting uh, system that we live in indeed. But I've talked so many times about the cons that go on and the marketing that goes along with every con that there is. Uh, we've got lots of books written after World War I, for instance, and some of them applauded by one of the guys who helped to convince the American public to join into World War I. He was paid to do it by the U.S. government. And, and uh, that was Bernays, Mr. Bernays, the big uh, con man marketer who despised the public because they were just too easy to manipulate once you understood the basic psychology of them. And they came out with the books after World War I and, and boasted on how they'd conned the whole country into not only paying for it all, but going off and fighting for it and so on. And, uh, of course, big corporations always benefit in times of war. They supply all the goods and military equipment, etc. They get this research and develop money thrown at them to build tanks and all the latest stuff. And uh, right down uniforms and every bullet that's fired. It's very lucrative indeed. And, and they often get uh, little prezzies, little prezzies at the end of the wars when, they, when they have to get the, the winners get together and they divvy up the country they've conquered. It's uh, quite lucrative indeed. But I was thinking too about the cons used today through marketing to take things off you and uh, put you back to a peasant stage where literally everything, everything you need to survive, food, water, shelter, heat, clothing, etc., all these basic things are being are going into the hands of a few, if they're not already in the hands of a few. And I think the few are really, uh, the few companies you'll see in, in this area or that area are really just one consortium, uh, uh, like they did with uh, Standard Oil when they were told to break it up, uh, the big monopoly of it. All, all they did, of course, or Rockefeller, was to put subsidiary companies and even have, uh, and it was so, so well done that it took years for folk to, to, to go through all the different books and papers, even governments, they found out that, that uh, the guys who apparently appeared as the CEOs or owners of these small companies were actually employees of uh, the Rockefellers. It's the same con going on today as they go after your food and your water and everything else, the meat industry, the big packing, packer industry, etc. It's quite astonishing to live through it and watch it all happening. But we're in the time, as Carl Quigley said, uh, of corporate feudalism. The CEOs are the, the new overlords, the feudal overlords. Uh, they have more power uh, than countries. Actually, a lot of them have bigger bureaucracies and their corporations in some countries have. They certainly even have bigger budgets. But the idea was to turn in, uh, everything into uh, public-private partnership deals. I've done talks on that way back in the late 90s, onwards through uh, the last 10 years or so, to do with these public-private partnership cons that suddenly came out in vogue, uh, which means that there's like already a global government to make it all happen. And, and they're put in place across the European countries and North American countries, etc. And the idea basically is that all the institutions uh, for, to, for survival, uh, to maintain your country, to make sure there's food there at a good price, a, a gas supply, heating supplies, these kind of things, things that you really need as a people in a nation, 
were sold off to private companies who then give you the tab or the bill for the maintenance of those comp- for, for their, their infrastructure, basically. We pay for the repairs for the roads. We pay for everything pretty well, and they reap the profit. It's just awfully wonderful, isn't it, uh, to, to, get, to just bamboozle the public with terminology, and some of them even use the term environmental uh, corporations. Sounds wonderful, environmental corporations, uh, corporations as, they, as they basically take over your whole water supply, your fresh water supply, and then sell it off for high profits, not just back to the people, but also export it abroad, and also they, um, they bottle it for the big companies like Nestle and the cola companies uh, and sell it off too uh, as a, a good price at that, all the water. Now, the thing is, no one asks, well, who gives any prime minister or president the right to do this? Because, after all, aren't, aren't they collectively, uh, supposedly, all your people that represent you, and if they're selling off the infrastructure of your country, the, the vital necessities that you must have to survive as a people, who gives them the right to sell it off? No one asks the questions, you see. And, and by the way, and they won't be asked in the mainstream because they, they're, they're part of the big establishment group that want this international globalist system of a few corporations or maybe even one running the whole world eventually. So they're, they're, not, they're not going to upset the apple cart. They do what they're told. Last week I was talking to a, a woman up my way in a store, and she had just come down for her ca- from her camping area. They go camping, and she's a Native American, and she said that uh, the river going past them is half as depth as it should be, and with all the rain we've had here, it's been it's been raining all summer here. Uh, it's, it's a precursor to Noah's Ark, really. Everybody's depressed. It's nothing but clouds all the time, and lots of mosquitoes, mind you. And, and it's awfully depressing, and rain, rain for days sometimes, and days and nights at a time. Very little sun. In fact, I, I can count the, the total sun on my one hand. Uh, but I've had literally since, since spring. <laughs> it came right in from heavy snow right up, right up through spring and deep cold temperatures, and right into rain, and pretty well it's been that way since. So you get thinking about all these things, and, and yet here are rivers with half the water disappeared. See, we don't know what's going on. We'll never know what's going on or where even the water is going. It's going somewhere, but it's highly secretive. And when you dig into the water corporations that made these public-private partnership deals with your governments, they're not going to tell you anyway, either where it's all going. Uh, or where they're they're taking it out of either. We live in secrecy. It's like martial law, isn't it? Uh, Just mind yourself, mind your nose, and and stay in your place, and don't ask questions, because you have no right to know. That's the average citizen today. They've been trained that they don't don't need to know anything. It's not their place to know anything. When their countries are being sold out from underneath them, so I'm going to just touch on that for a minute tonight because it's very important to know something about what's happening. And a lot of it began, as I say, I've gone through the whole long, long system of world government from the Britain, the, the whole idea of the empire, 
uh, run by private feudal systems then, even as it was with Lord Alfred Milner and his group for the Royal Institute for International Affairs. That's what it evolved into. And um, it's an unelected group, of course, to advise all members of government, all departments of government. And the count- their, their counterpart cousin, actually, is a branch, if you like, in the U.S., which is called the Council on Foreign Relations. And anybody who's anybody is a member of it. You can't simply go and join it. They suss you out to see if you're their kind of guy who'll keep their mouth shut and say the right things and know not what to say. And then you're asked if you want to join. That means you're bought and paid for once you do, because the sky's the limit. You'll certainly profit. A lot of business and work will come your way and lots of other perks as well. That's how the world is really run. And yet we go on voting for democracies. Uh, and the big boys who have no, no intention of having democracy know it's awfully important to give you the idea that it's all done for good reasons. It's democratic reasons. Or we're, we're selling off your food uh, at supply and we're selling off the war supply to help people across the world because we care about them. That's what they'll tell you, which is a big lie, of course, because the corporations are in there for massive profit. And we're living in, in, in the age of ultimate, ultimate greed, as it's never been seen before. Where things that used to be made of metal, like vacuum cleaners, are even expensive ones now, are chintzy, thin plastic, brittle plastic that's going to break. Uh, I, personally, I looked at some of them last week in a store. And it's a popular, it's been made popular. Because, you know, you can make people popular, make them stars, by marketing and constant repetition. And you can do the same with any article or product. And this company has been, oh, oh, yeah, it's the greatest one out, blah, blah. I saw the darn thing, and it was such chintzy, thin, thin, brittle plastic, all of it. I, I thought, this should really give you a big tube of you know, the airplane model glue to go with it to fix it, because it's going to get cracked in no time, maybe about 10 rolls of duct tape. But uh, I can't believe that this is how they've trained the public, step by step, to buy this junk. And mind you, that's all you can find now is this cheap old junk, cheap to make, high price to buy, massive profit, and they're maximizing their profits in every possible way possible. And then a, a generation will grow up with this thinking it's called quite normal, you see. That's how we adapt to everything. It's just astonishing to me. But the same thing happens with the chronology to do with taking your food and your water supplies away from you as a country, gouging you. You watch your prices going up and up and up. Uh, you see the prices of meats, oh, oh forget it. Uh, if, a hamburger is, is going to be the new luxury if you can afford it. Um, everything else has gone out of sight. Why? Well, partly it's the ongoing integration through treaties. That was the old idea that Lord Alfred Milner came up with. They would bind countries together with treaties. They then form trading blocks. And out of the trading block, they standardize their laws. And then they'd have a super parliament running a whole block of countries. That's how they created the European Union, which nobody wanted, except the ones who planned it. The North American uh, Free Trade Agreement, has been gone on for 20 years now, has, is, is still plundering ahead. And at the same time, it's moving into the area of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. 
And that's part of the NAFTA deal now, the, 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 the TPPC, or TP, the Transport Partnership deal, is now part of, of that. And so is CETA. CETA is another one too. Uh, and that's the that's basically the one for amalgamating European countries with that of Canada, say. I think the States has got their own version of it. And uh, it's a free trade deal where they can sell basically all your meats off and even your water supplies off abroad to these countries under their trade deals. But there's a couple of articles here that I'd like to read here because this one here is from the Huffington Post. Now, the Huffington Post, I'm sure, is, is always on the side of environmentalism and a whole bunch of other things, of course, and all the con games that go with that. We're here to help you to save the environment. The price has gone up four times, so, you know, things like that. Anyway, it says here, Why is Harper, the Prime Minister of Canada, selling Canada's fresh water supply to French companies? And this was in 2013. And it says, The Prime Minister Harper has just signed the Canada-EU Comprehensive Economic and Trade Agreement called CETA, C-E-T-A. And Canadians who are... Uh, who care about our freshwater heritage should be deeply concerned for three reasons. It says here, first, the, the massive increase in beef and pork exports that have been negotiated and put a terrible strain on the water supply. See, that, so they hit it again for the environmental side too, because that's what the Huffington Post does. And it says here, beef producers can now export up to 70,000 tons of beef to Europe and an undisclosed but higher amount of pork. Not just to Europe, by the way, because remember that the Trans-Pacific Partnership came in as well, where we can do it to other countries as well, which is a great con because a lot of these poorer countries, you see, uh, will get our tax money subsidizing the cost to the meat producers they're going to export across the world to keep their prices up, to give it to a che- at a cheaper price, Sell at a cheaper price in those countries. The win 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 situation. Anyway, you'll pay for all. But it says meat production is highly water intensive and so on. It says already Alberta's dwindling water supplies are overtaxed by a beef industry that's rapidly expanding and expected to double its water uh, footprint by 2025, according to an assessment done before this deal was signed. Intensive uh, hog operations in Manitoba are killing the Lake Winnipeg. Also, against this environmental stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, second, this deal will give French companies Suez and Veolia, the two French companies, the two biggest private water operations in the world, access to run our water services in Canada for profit. Under recent edicts, the Harper government has tied the federal funding of municipal water infrastructure, construction or upgrading to privatization of water services. Cash-strapped municipalities can only access federal funds if they adopt a public-private partnership model. And several cities have recently put their water or wastewater services contract up for private bids. See, everything, we live in an incredible age of corruption where money changes hands between elected officials and so on and the corporations, right down to your local level. If Suez or Veolia are successful in binding or bidding for these contracts, another new deal, local government cannot favour local bidders 
and a future city council decides it wants to move back to a public system, as municipalities are doing all over the world, these corporations, these foreign corporations, will be able to sue for huge compensation. Private water operators charge far higher rates than public operators and cut customers when it comes to source uh, protection. So they can sue. Guess who they sue? They sue the government. The government takes your tax money, the millions and billions you get sued, and pays it to these guys. If you want to turn it back to owned by your local area and so on, and your councils. Quite amazing, isn't it? And we take this all for normal because, you see, we haven't been uh, asked our opinions on it or given any votes on something as vital as this. It says, the same uh, investor state clause containing the Canada-EU deal poses the third threat to Canada's water. The rules essentially say that if a government introduces new environmental health or safety rules that were not in place when the foreign corporation made its investment, it has a right to uh, compensation, which a domestic corporation does not have. For instance, an American energy company is suing Canada for $250 million dollars and damages using a similar NAFTA, North American Free Trade Agreement rule, because Quebec decided to protect its water by placing a moratorium on fracking. Moreover, transnational corporations are now claiming ownership of the actual water they acquire, require in their operations. Another American company successfully sued Ottawa for $130 million for their water rights. It left behind when it abandoned its pulp and paper operations in Newfoundland, leaving workers without jobs or pensions. But that leaves the taxpayer to pay off this $130 million fine, right? You understand, we get suckered and suckered and suckered, and yet the public are unaware of what's even going on. What's even going on? That's just incredible. It really is. It is incredible. And you've got to laugh at it too, though. And uh, and also, it's interesting too, because this came out in 2014, this one. Veolia, one of these companies, Environment from from France, and its peer, I bet it's just one corporation, uh, one's a subsidiary of the other, and its peer called Suez Environment. See, they even use these terms, the corners, marketing terms. Oh, it's for the environment. No, it's, not. it's a private corporation meant to dig as much cash out as it can. Anyway, it says both denied Wednesday that the companies are in talks in a merger or even studying such a project. Shares in Veolia closed 4.3% higher and Suez closed 7.1% higher, following an exane BNP Paribas research report which said the stars are aligned for the French waste and water companies to revisit the idea of merging. Volume in Suez stock was the second highest in more than a year. However, they're denying they're having the talks, of course, which they don't really need talks. I guarantee you they're both the same company, giving you the appearance of competition. And it'll be all the same top shareholders in both, you see. That's how it works. But this isn't just uh, water and so on. It's your food, too, with all these trade deals. And um, it's just astonishing how we're told nothing. These little articles appear as paragraphs here and there in the back pages of newspapers, and nobody reads them anymore. 
So it's so easy for them to do, isn't it? So easy. Just so darned easy. And there's also under the CETA text, I do have the, uh, from the European Union, uh, it's got the Directorate General for Trade and Trade Policies, and it says Note for the Attention for the Trade Policy Committee, and it goes through all the rules and regulations for this agreement that Canada has signed with the EU, but so has, of course, the US under a different term, different name, the same number. But remember, too, you're all wondering why your meat's going up in price. It's because they're exporting it all now for a fantastic profit, uh, and they're leaving less at home. It was always understood with nation-states that one of the first duties of government was to protect the people, not just against enemies, foreign and so on, but also to protect the state, the citizenry, uh, to ensure that an adequate supply of affordable, nourishing food. Well, that's thrown out the window today, and it's held for leather for full profits. And, uh, of course, they use what's supply and demand, and they say, well, you see, we're exporting most of the stuff, and, and so it's getting rarer, therefore you have to pay four, five, six times the price. So that's that simple, folks. It's that simple. And if it ever gets to the stage where the people do wake up and demand that this all stop, then those companies, with all the legal agreements, can then sue your government, which is you, the taxpayer, for their billions of lost revenue, money, and so on, income. So it, we're, we're shafted every way we turn. We really are, even in our sleep, we don't know we're turning. So it's going on and going and going on and going on and going on. But there's your water supply getting sold off abroad. Interestingly enough, too, uh, there's, there's articles to do with, uh, in the French newspapers, to do with uh, the fact that uh, they're, they're pulling out, uh, some of the, the, the places they're pulling out, uh, these companies, and, and just, I guess, paying their fine or telling them they ain't got the money for it. But it says Paris itself is returning to public water supplies, and it makes waves beyond France. And this, this year, it was in June the 8th, it came out from Reuters, and it says uh, Paris moves to take back water supplies, inspires others, other regionalities and to, to do the same. Veolia, Suez margins fall as towns negotiate discounts. The EU anti-privatization trend pushes water firms abroad. And um, it's just private water firms grow quickly in developing countries. Uh, so nearly five years after Paris took the management of its water supply back into its own hands, the move is inspiring other cities at home and abroad and hurting profits at private water firms, Veolia, and Suez Environment. In 2008, Socialist Mayor Bertrand Delano ended the contracts with the two firms that had operated Paris water distribution systems since 1985. Veolia is on the right bank of the city and Suez on the left bank. Love to bank water, don't they? Because they own the banks altogether. Probably owned Eau de Paris, it says. Water at Work Paris took over from 2010, has since become a model for a string of French and foreign cities and a threat civic leaders now use to force down prices. 
is posing a big challenge to Suez and Veolia, while they have responded by focusing more on their waste and energy activities and looking for industrial clients. They still rely heavily on water. And 2013, water accounted for about 45% of Veolia's 22 billion euros, or $30 billion of revenue. The success of the Paris remunicipalization, our ability to make profits and lower prices, has convinced many other cities, wherever their, their political color, whatever it is, that public water is an option. Uh, the head of the Eau de Paris told Reuters. Since the move by Paris, with its population of more than 2 million, other French towns with a combined population of about 1.4 million people, including Rouen, uh, Saint Malo, Brest, and Nice, have also decided to go back to public water management. None of us manage their own water, according to EU public water lobby, Aqua Publica Europa. The group expects more authorities representing a combined population of 1.9 million, including Bordeaux, Rennes, Rene, and, and uh, Montpellier, uh, will follow suit between 2015 and 18. So, it just goes to show you that folk are sick of this, this gouging, gouging the public. And, of course, it's always sold to the public when they privatise it. It's going to be cheaper, like everything else. Like, you know, it's going to be cheaper when they sold all the companies off. And they one giant corporation, gave you smart meters and jacked all your prices up. Uh, always, you always get lied to. Isn't, don't you get fed up being lied to? I mean, don't you get fed up with that, folks? You're taught as children to avoid people who lie all the time. And yet you watch them every night on television giving their promises and their great speeches and uh, looking so respectable with their big business suits on and their politicians with their glowing waxed faces and all that. And they lie, lie. They always lie. That's what they do. You can find, going way back in the books, uh, what people said in past times and ages about politicians, that they were just people, the con men, basically. They couldn't trust them. And they're in there to feather their own pockets, and they take contract, and they're always lobbying for these big corporations, not for you. So the whole idea of protecting their own people first, and giving them a decent food supply, and, and keeping the prices down, is out the window. Well, these free trade deals, and it's got to stop. It really has got to stop, because we're getting gouged. The meat now, when you see it in the store, is just out of sight, especially in Canada. And it's going up that way in the States now as well. I'm sure this, is, this doesn't affect just Canada, you see. I'm, I'm talking about the whole world here. All first world countries are being completely gouged as they privatize everything. Until basically, as I say, there'll be no government as such. It'll be a complete privatized system. And technically, your, your, your government is a corporation too. It's registered as a corporation. Um, and they'll own uh, everything uh, that we need for survival. That's where the move is going, by the way. Uh, total uh, purchasing and buy-offs of everything you need to survive, personally. That's what it's all about, folks. And they'll get far more done when you're begging for this and begging for that, for your basic survival. They'll get far more done with their changes and integrations, etc., than they ever could by having a, any semblance of a democracy. We know that's true. But that's how it is, folks, and we're kept in the dark about it all. We're kept in the dark about everything. As I say, there's water going missing from the rivers here, and I guarantee you uh, that we've been flooded this year. It's just incredible rain like never before. But folks don't know where the water is going as the rivers go down in some places.
It's a mystery because it's secret. But I have spoken a lot about chronology, this ancient art of chronology. Get often given scientific terms to give us of legitimacy and importance rather than the, the low status it should have. Because we don't really like con men, do we? Uh, they put them in the movies, of course, to make, and, and to make you like these characters. But con men are con men who lie to get a personal benefit from people who generally can't afford it. And, but we're, we're run by them. Everything you get is a con and a lie. And even to attach something like environmental company, uh, Veolia or whatever, it's a water company, they, they got nothing to do with environment. But you put these terms on things, it's like green, it's a green corporation. And folk have been brainwashed that some, just put the term to it now, and they don't think any further than that. It's quite astonishing, isn't it? We're, we're rather thick today. We're rather thick. Some more thicker than others, and others as thick as bricks. That's how bad we are, because we've had a perfect engineering to our brains and our minds. Uh, not to use them ourselves, in fact, not to even trust your own observations, as I said at the start of this show. And we do, we disregard what we see. It's just amazing, isn't it? And what I used to notice, too, that when gasoline went up, maybe five, ten cents here in, in Canada, the folk would bitch and complain and, oh dear, I, you know something, and that hasn't happened for about ten years or more. Uh, it just suddenly stopped. Even when the gas was going up 40 cents a litre, you know, it just suddenly all stopped. And when you look through the different uh, social engineering books that the big boys put out, they talk about how to do this to the public, how to stop them from bitching. And it can be done with fear too. Uh, People will shun away from the unpleasant and seek pleasure. That's why it's very easy to give us what appears to be choice. You do it this way, it may be a bit harder. Do it this way, it'll be easy, but here's the consequences. Egocentronic, egocentric behavior that Russell and other ones talked about back in the 20s and 30s. They would bring this in. It's happened. It's happened. It came in too with Freud as well, uh, who said that everybody who's perfectly happy around with a smile on their face and uh, rutting like rabbits, having a big sex life, uh, and working again and spending money is now healthy and cured. Cured from what? The very system that collapsed them and broke them up in the first place. So, as I say, we're taught so much of insane stuff and utter nonsense. Uh, but we are taught that. and But we, are, we do become insane when we start to believe all the stuff they're telling us is true. We truly we do become insane. But the trick today, too, is to convince the public that they're helpless what can you, oh, well, what can you do? You know, what can you do? And what you can do is always has, has to be on a personal level. Groups get infiltrated, taken over, and often up, work, end up working for the group that's screwing you. And so you've got to be, do things personally. Stop buying so much gas. Don't, don't run all over the place when you don't have to run all over the place. Uh, hit them where it counts, and that's the, 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 the gas pump. Don't buy the damn stuff as often as you do. Don't waste it uh, and pay the extra cash. When you pay the extra cash, instantly they, 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 they got this, their pulse of the people. They know how much they're spending per hour across a nation. And they know just how much to gouge a bit more, for instance. But when it starts to drop, it gives, it gives them a scare because then their shareholders bitch to them and they're going to start dropping the prices. There's many things you can do. 
I've often said if everyone stopped going to work for a week or two and, and, and just stayed at home, just stock up beforehand and stay at home, you'd soon get action on, on your demands. You'd soon get action, believe you me, on your demands. But they won't do that collectively. Which again, when you look at all the different studies, the behaviourists have done on us all, they understand this. People will never act in unison. Never happen. And it's never happened down through history. They even talk about the revolutionaries in the US during the, the, uh, basically the, 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 the war with Britain. And they say about 3%, the population at that time, of the able-bodied uh, males, only 3% or so fought in the revolution. Uh, and stood together and, and to the end, uh, so which tells you it doesn't take a lot of people sometimes to get the change they want through. Uh, today, people are more complacent. People today, honestly, are far more uniform in their mentalities and their makeup than ever before because because they've all had the same heavy indoctrination through the same school system. And then it's taken over by their work and propaganda that comes from all medias, which they all get at the same time, which conditions, conditions a uniform mind. Uh, that's so they're much the same. When I was small, in parts of Scotland, they didn't have television until much later. Uh, you found people living in crofts around the highlands and things like that. And those people would have various books they collected over the years, and they read them. They were incredibly well-educated and informed. They'd listen to a bit of radio here and there to, to keep up on things. They were no fools either. They knew the cons and rackets going on way back then. But each one of these characters was a character. That's the whole key to it. They were a complete personality. A person, you've heard the expression coming out of left field. Uh, you're trained in such a linear fashion and by the majority, again, opinions, because you want to have the same opinion as everybody else. Unfortunately, you shouldn't have that. That's an abnormal thing for human beings with all the personality types. But they've managed to get us to that today. And with political correctness and all the rest of it. But the people who came out of left field, the real characters who'd thought their whole lives for themselves, uh, would, would, would suddenly come out of left field and it shook you up to hear what they were saying. And it kind of really rattled you initially until you realized, you know, I never looked upon it that way before, what they're saying. They're showing you a whole new, it's like getting to a different level of looking down at everything and, and analyzing it again and seeing the real reasons that things were happening and so on. And these old characters knew all this stuff. They'd figured it out because their brains were working properly. They were using their own studies, their own observations on things, and their own intellectual rationale, you see, and came to their own conclusions. People today do not come generally to their own conclusions. Sometimes you're given what appears to be a choice of conclusions, but you're still guided towards those choices. And they all benefit generally something that's of no good to you. So choice is really going down the tubes. People who can see things as they really are, uh, 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 died off uh, in the last few in the process of dying off. There's very few now because of the incredible indoctrination of social indoctrination, as Russell called it, that's been taught in the schools for all these years, that, that, which is uniform uh, indoctrination uh, that's so perfectly well understood and put across today uh, till they turn out basically peas in a pod. Everyone's the same. 
will believe the same, uh, have the same kind of logical functions. The, the logic will work the same way with them. They'll be far more prone to believe authorities and experts than previous generations ever ever have. And when you look at to, into all these scientists today that keep telling you about, oh, you're to give up everything to save the planet, yada, yada, yada. Um, they're all living on grants put out by big foundations and the governments to do just that. They're utter prostitutes. And the ones who will not take the bribes and so on, the payoffs for an easy job and an easy life are simply not getting jobs at all. They've been ostracized. A lot more of them than the ones who joined, by the way. So different opinions are not welcome in this day and age. The authorized opinion and opinions are welcome by the masters who run our brains for us, our minds for us, and so on. Now I'd like to talk now about people's addiction to fantasy through their movies and all their sci-fi that they watch on cable televisions and and so on. It's incredible uh, how people are addicted to entertainment and they can't get enough of it. It's a, it's a human trait, obviously. We love to use imagination, but you're supposed to also use your own imagination. Today you don't have to. In fact, I don't think people can to an extent because it's all done for you. As I've mentioned before, lots of folk, especially in cities, get up to the wireless or the, to the radio uh, alarm clock going off and the, the, the talking jocks uh, yapping away there, uh, media jocks, prattle, prattle, prattle about the day's roads conditions, etc., and then put on some awful um, song. And then they go through their breakfast that way and they rush off to their work and their, their vehicle. And they, I've got the radio blaring away again about the road conditions, etc. And, and they're talking heads and, and awful music. And then they go to their workplace too. And they often even have some kind of background music on the work. But the thing is, you're living in someone else's thoughts all the time. You're conditioned always to have some other produced uh, or production going on for you. And, and you're getting downloaded with it all the time. You're not using your own brain. And silence does scare a lot of people today. It truly does. Lots of folk can't sleep without the radio or television left on. And they're terrified to have their own thoughts. Silence frightens them, in fact. Because all the little bits that they've downloaded through the, the bits and bites of scary news, they're always fed in this particular era, which is constant scary news because that's how you ram changes through when we're all scared you see it becomes overwhelming to them and in the silence when it's not been a happy happy entertaining thing then that they're listening to or watching the silence frightens them because these little bits of scary things hit them oh what will i do what will i do and so being egocentric and egocentric again they, they shy away from things which are scary uh, and unpleasant and look towards the pleasant instead more fiction and fantasy other people's produced thoughts people who work producing thoughts for you and get well paid for it run your brains for you it's quite quite something isn't it in this day and age quite something but you know and i've gone into mythology so many times and i was thinking about it on a show I was on this week in fact 
that in ancient times, uh, we were understood then too by uh, leisure classes who studied the people, the workers and so on, our little habits and traits and like to have little festivals after harvest and, you know, the little people that we are sort of thing. And they'd, they'd watch this, so keep the little people happy. And we'd toil for the rest of the year as long as we had uh, other little festivals on the way too. Uh, it made life less monotonous. And during those festivals, they'd put on traveling sh- uh, shows. Even ancient Greece had them too. Troubadours came round and put on the latest approved, authority approved play. And everyone had to turn out in ancient Greece to watch them by law because they were to give the, the morals to the citizenry as to how they should behave within the story of the play, you see. It's very easy to do. And certain music was played alongside them too for tragedy or hope or whatever it happened to be. And uh, it helped to augment the, the, the imagination as you watch these plays. It's far better today, of course. It's more perfected. And many techniques are used upon the public are completely completely un- unwitting as to what's been downloaded into them with political correctness and social approval and disapproval on various topics through fiction. But in ancient times too, don't confuse legends and mythologies with fact. Don't ever confuse the two together because remember that man started off uh, hunting animals and animals were a basic part of his life. They looked at the traits of animals, the qualities of different animals and species, and often turned them into deities, for instance. The Egyptians would put animal heads on human figures, and these were different gods because who had the traits of the, see, the bull or whatever it happens to be, and for strength, etc. And, and so there were animistic type uh, religions which they had then too. And, and during the show that I did during the week, I mentioned that uh, a legend to do with the Black Sea area, how it was flooded on purpose, uh, an ancient, ancient, ancient legend, because uh, the gods are, as I say, the scientists of the day were practicing mixing animals with humans until they began to cannibalize each other and they drowned them all and flooded that uh, Black Sea, an ancient legend. Now, a good novelist... And you have disguised novelists today. I should really, this is what I, the point I really want to make. Disguised novelists started maybe back in the 60s and 70s uh, as historical novelists. They'd written a drama uh, by using uh, basic themes of a, an era and things that actually happened and, and weave in a story of romance and intrigue and all this kind of stuff with it too. And they became awfully popular until people were getting their, their historical uh, uh, history f- from drama, fiction, basically. And they took lots of liberties. Whenever you, if you, if you see a movie or a novel that says based on, uh, well, a little, 1% maybe is based on the truth or the facts, and the rest of it is the novel and the fiction. Uh, that's a liberty that artists is allowed to take. However... Uh, these guys caught on very quickly. They were on to an awfully good thing. An awfully good thing. Let's be honest, too. Most folk don't want to read history. This is dry and boring. But you make it into an exciting novel, you see. And you see it's based on a, it's a historical novel. Uh, then 
uh, it's very exciting and you want to know what happens next and will the guy eventually get the woman and vice versa and all that stuff and that's all wrapped and all, all the things that we are curious about and we, how we watch other humans about it's always to do with us you see Whatever we, we watch is to do with humans, us, 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 you see. We're, and the, the big boys know this too. And the problem is now, uh, in this day and age, they take the to old myths and legends. And, and that's why, as I say, uh, even from, from the, the, the legend of the Black Sea, it's a nice myth and a legend because it doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> Don't forget that. It doesn't mean it's true uh, because the, the early man wrapped up animals with humans and made half humans and half animals. The Greeks did the same thing in their mythologies too. But you get a good con man, and there's lots of con people out there making a killing, uh, churning out books, pretending to be factual, and taking the myth and making it into fact through a lot of uh, skullduggery, and making fortunes, conning the public who then believe it all. And you can hear them on certain talk shows at night and sort of stuff like that. There's just one after another selling, plugging their book uh, and taking absolute f- rubbish, actually, in mythology, uh, em- embellishing it like you wouldn't believe, and, and selling it off as fact. And how they keep a straight face and, and, and stop themselves from laughing in these shows, I don't know. Maybe it's the, the thought of the incredible prophets are going to rake in. But don't be conned and fooled by these. And I've gone through... Uh, cutting through the matrix.com website archives, you, you'll find where I talked about the Anunnaki, the, the real origins of that kind of thing, and how um, one man basically took it and wrote a whole series of novels and presented them almost as fact, and the public wanted, and here's the key, they want to believe that is the truth. They want to believe this is the truth because the things that are happening on the earth cannot be done by man. That's what they believe. We are very simple creatures. Normal people are we're very simple creatures with all things in common. We normal folk say, "I can't, I can, I couldn't do that." Therefore, they can't be pulling such an awful stunt. So you want to believe them, you see. Adolf Hitler said the same thing for lies. He knew that people could see through the smaller lies, and you should see through the smaller ones from governments too. But you don't know, unfortunately. Most of you. But um, Adolf Hitler says, if you tell a lie, make sure it's a really big lie, because the public will say, well, no one could ever, ever be so audacious to tell such a, a whopper, a, such a massive lie. And that, unfortunately, that, that whole tradition has become normalized now. And there's all kinds of con men out there selling you and flogging you all kinds of rubbish. And, uh, and people are believing it and swallowing it, because it's put across on talk shows as fact, you see. But these are really the, the novelists that caught on, as I say early on, historical novels that caught on to the money be made by uh, bringing out utter fiction, uh, bamboozling the public and presenting it all as fact. And in an age, in an age where uh, your, your religions have been thrown off to the sides, to the outskirts somewhere, uh, and science has replaced them. You just bring the science in with it, and it must be true. Because now you really believe that science, you believe, this, and you believe truly in science, because science really is a religion. You need a lot of belief to, to believe in all the stuff that they tell you. Since a lot of it has social purposes for change, it's political in nature, it's for social change. 
uh, a lot of the so-called scientific studies they release are to tie in with sustainability, depopulation, and all the, all the rest of it. But so, so stop being fooled uh, because your imagination likes what it's hearing. In an age where the religion is put off to the side, you can take um, man from religion, but you can't take religion out of man. You'll look for another one and you go shopping for religion. And that's why there are so many uh, gurus out there selling their, their particular brand of New Age religion, which is all the same rehashed Rosicrucian theosophical stuff that was put out in the 1800s. That's all it is. It's a very easy job because all they do is have to copy the old books. You don't have to make up anything new, just sell the same old stuff. Tell folk to learn how to be pure and vibrate higher than they'll vibrate out of this world. And people actually believe that. Quite amazing, isn't it? eh? But that's a sad state of affairs. Don't be fooled. And uh, as I say, if all myths were true, then you truly would have centaurs and, and titans and all the rest of it. And we don't. And even the Greeks who used to storytell those things a long time ago didn't believe in them either. It was a story. And they became awfully popular stories. You go into Ireland, for instance, and you talk about the early uh, Milani that came into Ireland through Hibernia, as called it, or Iberia, Bernia. And they, they uh, had to fight the, the fear bog. The fear bog were a kind of hairy people, all hair, kind of like cousin it. And from the Adams family, and uh, eventually, after all these fierce battles with them, the fear bog went into the mountains, where they eventually uh, disappeared, literally through and into or inside the mountains. They just melt, melt through them like ghosts into the mountains. And, uh, and the, but again, you could take that same uh, old story. And embellish that, and and sell make make make, make bestsellers out of them. If you have no scruples, and you're you're you don't have a moral uh, um, guideline at all within your your own self, and make fortunes out of it, amazing and astounding people about the battles uh, that uh, the various leaders and heroes had. But these were beautiful legends, you see, that were told, and often told as fairy stories to the children. Uh, and they were obviously not meant to be believed But your imagination could take ride You didn't have TV and radio or books And and you liked a bit of a storytelling at times We enjoyed getting that little thrill But today we're overwhelmed with, with a massive, persistent Churning out of garbage movies That have as much political correctness embedded in them is what comes out of the mouth of 1000 NGOs and the politicians It's all in there Because they get paid to put it in actually And to change your behaviour And your perception towards certain things To allow you to accept things That perhaps you shouldn't allow uh, and Which aren't as, as wonderful And nice as they say they are So The best of things And, and the worst of things Can be sold to you uh, By slick people and behaviorists and neuroscientists, psychologists, all working together, and they are sold to you all the time on a continuous basis. My whole story is not defeatism at all. I do tell, tell, tell you how so well and perfectly you're understood, never mind monitored. Uh, but I've told you too that the way that you, the only way you can beat this is to, is to, is to reclaim yourself. And definitely reclaim your, your mind for yourself and think for yourself. 
People who want to be accepted constantly by their peer group and others forget it. I'm not, I'm not talking to you because you are quite happy uh, with your updates and getting along with it because you, need, you just definitely have a craving for the company. Uh, I'm talking to the people who are genuinely puzzled and looking because uh, they have a feeling that all things are just not as good as they're portrayed to be and they want to know why things aren't. For instance, here's an example. It's been hammered into us by TV uh, bits and bytes and newscasts and, uh, of how the money system runs. The whole thing is a, a crooked racket, and it was from the beginning. But they bring on experts again. If any of them were experts, how come the banks always crash us at least twice a century and plunder us? And then get up and we bail them out and they do it again and again. Uh, how come those same bankers are living awfully well with their, 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 their million and sometimes a billion dollar pound bonus? Then they, how come they're constantly rewarding people who plunder you? There's nothing nice and right and decent about that. And that tells you too, they don't want to change the system because they want to do it again in the future. They're never going to stop it. Because the whole money system is a crook system. Not just crooked, but a crook system. Your every single government is running off, borrowing money like crazy, uh, doing things you could never do because you would be you'd you'd lose everything that you had if you can't meet your payments and your credit cards or your debts. But governments do it constantly and they put you down as a guarantor. You see? And whenever they talk about balancing budgets in any country, they're talking about paying off for that year the actual interest that's due for that year. The principal amount is never touched. Never. So it constantly accumulates with compound interest. Constantly. And that's why, since the beginning of time, uh, basically, your money is constantly being devalued all the time. Look at all the old black and white movies or Sherlock Holmes, for instance, things like that. And they bring out this, this pound note that, that's about a foot long and uh, a big white thing with lots of wonderful, you know, it's almost like a handwritten thing with the old calligraphy on it. And they bring out a pound note with a flourish because very few folk had, few folk had seen it. The working people had never seen a pound note. And, and that was a big thing. Uh, look at the size of it today. You see, but look at the, the buying power of that pound way back then, and you could you could have a family and uh, feed them well, and pay a rent or a mortgage and all the rest of it with the, with with two or three pounds in the nineteen twenties back in Britain, and live awfully well. But, but you can get a cup of coffee and a couple of cakes for that today. You might even get a full coffee for, for that fact. I don't know. Because the inflation system is a racket and no one's going to change it because at the very top of this pyramid is the money structure system, folks. The private system runs the world. Not democracy, not your government. The private system runs the world and they tell governments what to do, believe you me. And any country that tried to go back and to do its own money again 
and and they would just, they would sell the, the printed money to the banks who then loan it in existence. The selling it off, by the way, ten cents extra, pays for its creation, and uh, and so on. And then the banks loan it into existence. If they'll never go back to that. Never happened, folks. They'd have wars before they allow that ever to happen. And so we're living an utterly crooked, manipulated, marketed system. And all reality, as we're taught it, is completely marketed to all of us all the time. It's a racket, folks. A racket. Eventually, your currency will be like the peso. You'll need millions of them for a coffee. And that'll be normal. That'll be quite normal eventually one day. It's all a racket. And the crooks are never punished. And we bail them out, remember, in 2015, January 1st. It's been signed into law for Canada, the States, Australia, and other countries, along with the World Bank, you see. They've all signed it into law, this treaty. Uh, that's when the, the bail-ins start. That's where the banks have, have got, they can legally now rob your money uh, from your accounts and, uh, and not pay you back for it. They can keep it. This is legal theft. It's been made legal for them to steal. You can't do it like that, but they can do it because it's made legal. And that's what they do at the top. So just tell the politicians, put this through and make sure it's going to be legal. And they pass a law, now it's legal, that they can steal your money. And that's, you want to vote for this system? Do you really want to vote for this system, folks? Uh, What happened to your head? What happened to it? Politicians and their promises And this party nonsense But unfortunately There are lots of people who keep voting The definition of insanity Is to keep doing the same things Over and over and over again Expecting a different result The exact same things Over and over and over again the system was never meant to work for you, and never has worked for you. And you people really, when they say uh, someone's going to be done, what they want to say is don't make it any worse than it is right now. Leave me right now with what I have. Don't take everything else away from me. Don't, get, don't make the meat any more expensive. Don't make blah, blah, any more expensive. That's what they want. Because as humans, we don't like change. We don't like it at all. But now, unfortunately, people cannot get together with a common purpose and, and stand up properly without being infiltrated, taken over, and, or, or else uh, made to argue amongst themselves with provocateurs in amongst them. They can't do it. The governments and the big NGOs and the big, the big corporations, as you say, and the foundations have their own perfectly trained spies that have all worked for the military and intelligence, and they're now working for them too. They'll infiltrate you and uh, have you fighting amongst yourselves and, and, and strangling each other before you know it. So yet the only way you can get through this is by, as I say, reclaim your own mind. Reclaim your brain. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you.